great to see all you guys. I saw some people this morning that I haven't seen in a while. Good morning, people at their cottage and in your living room, wherever you might be. How's everybody doing? Good? Good. Happy to be here. Anyway, so there is a dark kind of stormy night and there's a group of guys that they got together and they decided to pull a fast one over a jewelry store. So what they did was they broke in late at night and instead of stealing anything, they swapped all the values of all the jewelry. So the next day when the employees came in, everything looked normal. Nothing was out of place. The customers came in, and they started buying stuff. And and what happened was the customers, they were buying jewelry that was worthless, and they were spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on it. And other customers, they were coming in and buying jewelry for just a couple hundred bucks and walking away with jewelry worth thousands of dollars. That's just a little picture of what's happening in our world. Satan has, has deceitfully has snuck in here and he started to change the values, to change the price tags of things that we value, of things that we live for. And for a lot of the time, we're not even, we're not, we're not even aware. We're like the, the employees. Everything looks the same. We're, we're not even aware of what's going on around us. So you might be thinking, well, how can this be? I don't understand. Well, what we got to do is we got to kind of rewind a little bit. Let's go back to the very beginning. I love going back to the creation story. God created the world, right? And what did he do? He created it perfectly. And in his creation, he created a man named Adam and a a woman named Eve. And he gave them authority. He said, multiply, populate this earth, take care of it, name the animals. And he walked with them and they walked with God until Satan came in. And, And he came like a serpent all all deceitful and sly, and we know what what happened in the story, right? Adam and Eve, they sinned. And because Adam and Eve sinned, it gave authority to Satan of this world for now. And so that's why you hear phrases like, "We, we struggle with sin, we're born into a sinful world. More accurately, we're born into a fallen kingdom. But the good news to that statement is Jesus came And he came to give us a choice out of that. And I want you to hear this clearly. The primary reason why Jesus came to this earth was to bring back the kingdom that man gave away. Jesus came to reestablish the kingdom that was lost by Adam and Eve. Jesus is our king, our new ruler. Jesus is the second Adam. And that's why you have to choose his kingdom or another kingdom automatically chooses you. And if you pay attention to Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, he's repeatedly talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, this, the kingdom of God, that, the kingdom of God, this. And so let's look at a couple examples. It's mentioned 90 times in the Gospels, Jesus mentioning the kingdom of God. Let's look at Luke 4, verse 43. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that's why I was sent. So let's look at that for a second. This is what Jesus said. I must proclaim the good news. I must tell other people about the kingdom of God. Why? Because that's why I was sent. Jesus was sent to share the kingdom of God to other towns, to all people, not just the Israelites, not just the Jewish people. John 18, verse 36. This is Jesus right before he was sentenced to death on a cross. Right before he was crucified, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. 
I don't subscribe to the values of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Interesting. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Outside of Jesus' teaching, there's over 30 more examples of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Let's just look at two. Romans 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Something's going on here with the kingdom of God. James 2, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren. Did God not choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who loved him? Now, growing up in the church, um, learning, we, we often talk and we often learn about how Jesus came, right? He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He was fully God, fully man. He died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven and go to heaven. We, we get taught that, what, that Jesus is for us and then we can have relationship, which is very, very true and, and great. But the only small problem with that is not the full story. It's not the full gospel. Yes, it's the main point. It's the climax. It's the thing we should focus on. But the full gospel is that Jesus came back or came to this earth to restore back the kingdom that was lost away. He was to restore and fix and send Satan away from the authority that he had. Satan came and changed all the price tags. Jesus came and is coming back to set things right. Now, Mark Clark is a famous pastor out in B.C., He wrote a book called The Problem of Jesus, and this is a quote. He said, we often say that Jesus was primarily about dying for people's sins or helping people be born again, doing justice or loving others. But taken in isolation, these answers miss the mark. Jesus's life and message was primarily about the kingdom of God. It's interesting with that quote is it's showing us that the Bible doesn't actually start with us. We're we're actually not the full focal point of Jesus' work. Yes, we do very much benefit from it. We need to be thankful. We need to be acknowledging that Jesus' death on the cross is for us so we can have relationship with him. But in our evangelical faith, there's sometimes a fear or there's an ignorance around that term, the kingdom of God. And so what happens is there's been this elevation of individual salvation, of individual self, which, again, isn't a bad thing, right? We have an intimate relationship with the Father, right? We, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. There's regeneration of our souls. We, we leave the darkness. We enter into the light. And, and that's what Jesus came to do, but that's not the whole story, right? The kingdom of God. Jesus came to redeem mankind and creation, and he wants to use us until he comes back one day to set everything straight. Jesus came to restore the world, to change values, to change back price tags that started on the cross, that started with his perfect life. And guess what? He wants to use broken people to continue his work. Luke 17, verse 20. Jesus was being questioned by the Pharisees. Jesus was going around the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. I am here for the kingdom of God, this, that, and the other. And the Pharisees, they're the Jewish religious leaders at the time. They're the ones who studied the scriptures. That was their job. And so they go, Jesus, when is this kingdom coming? What's going on here? Let's look what Jesus said. He answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is. Or, there it is. 
For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst or among you. That's an incredible statement. The kingdom of God, which we'll dive into in a second, it's, it's in the future, it's coming, but at the same time, the kingdom of God is here now because our king, Jesus, is here. Now, this can get a little confusing, so what I want you to do is picture a little coin. Let's call it a penny because those aren't supposed to exist anymore. There's two sides, not a, like there's two sides, so not the flip of a coin, but there's two sides. On the one side of the kingdom of God, it's a spiritual, intangible reality, right? So when you become a Christian, you become a newborn, you become born again, and you have a spiritual reality at heart, soul, and mind, you follow Christ, you follow the ways of God, and it changes everything about you. Flip the penny over. The other side of the kingdom of God is Jesus is coming back one day to set everything straight, to throw Satan down and finish the work that Jesus already started, and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about a spiritual, intangible reality that we're a part of right now because King Jesus has come and started this, and we fix our eyes on what Jesus is coming to do soon. So it's a spiritual reality today that's going to be a a physical tangible reality. Now, if you've noticed, I've mentioned Jesus as King Jesus a couple times. And kingship is a topic in our Western culture, in our world, that we don't often talk about. We have prime ministers, we have leaders, but we don't really have a king. I don't know if we, I don't really follow the queen, I'm sorry. But it's a topic, especially in my generation, that we don't talk about. But in first century Judaism, kingship was relevant. Kingship was everything. It was taking over in what the Pharisees that we just talked about, the religious Jewish leaders, they were reading the scriptures and they thought the Messiah was going to be this big um, authoritative king, a militant leader. He was going to demolish enemies and lift up the chosen people of Israel and he was going to come to conquer. But if we know anything about Jesus, he rode in on a donkey. He came to flip back the values He came to play by a different set of rules and he asked us to join in with him. This means to become a Christ follower. This is what Jesus was saying. One must embrace the rulership of God through the work of Jesus in their lives. Let me say that again. We must embrace the rulership of God through the work of Jesus in our life. And specifically, we must choose to leave the kingdom of darkness and enter the kingdom of God. Because remember, you have to choose a kingdom or a kingdom's gonna choose you. Now, Christianity is not for our private enjoyment. Being a Christ follower, I should say, is not about just getting around people that are like-minded, coming to church, being a part of a holy club, right? Going to church to, to socialize. Being a Christ follower should radically change everything about us. Jesus came and gave humanity a ruler, a relationship, a purpose, a new life, a future to look forward to. And so what I want you to do is I want you to just take a moment. We're going to think about this question. Ask yourself, why do I follow or why do I believe or why don't I believe in Christ? Ask yourself that. Why do I believe in Christ or why don't I or do I? I go out for lunch a lot with lots of different people I love eating out. And um, one of the questions I often ask is something along the lines of that. I go, so why did Jesus have to come save us? Why did Jesus have to be perfect? Why didn't Jesus just call up his legions of angels to rescue him? 
And the, the answers I get are, are varying, and I love them because they challenge me and make me think. But we need to have a defense for these questions. And it, it's biblical. There's verses that say we need to defend our faith. But again, there's two sides to that. Yes, we need to stand up for what we believe in. But at the same time, we need to know what we believe in. Because if we don't know what we believe in, how do we know where we're going? How do we know what we're saved from? If we don't know what Jesus did, what he's doing, where he's going, and we call ourselves a follower, we're going to get lost. We're going to stumble. We're going we're to not know what's going on. And so we need to spend the time seeking the kingdom because that's what Jesus came to give. Yes, he died on the cross for our sins. He saves us. And that's, that's amazing. And we need to focus on that. But we also can't forget the fact that there's a kingdom we're a part of. We're here on mission. We're here with a purpose. But Matthew 6, verse 33, let's look at that for a second. But we sometimes get so caught up in the future and in, in things of this world. This is what it says in Matthew 6, verse 33. But first seek his kingdom. But first, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Talking about uh, storing up treasures in heaven. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. But first, seek his kingdom. Yes, plan for, like, plan for future things, but don't be stressing about what's to come. We have enough on our agenda in this 24 hours we're living in right now. Seek the kingdom right now, and tomorrow will sort itself out. So are you living that way? Are you living with the kingdom perspective? Or, a lot of times, I feel this way, sometimes you get that funk of just being like, I'm just thankful for Jesus that he died on the cross for my sins, and, and we kind of go about our merry way. But the kingdom is not just about you and Jesus, right? It goes against our radical individualism of our culture. Being a Christ follower, joining into the kingdom of God means you become a person for this world. It means you become a person that goes against culture goes, stands up for what is right. And here are a couple examples of how we need to live as Christ followers if we're going to be a part of God's kingdom spiritually today. It's things like, how do we choose to spend our money? It's not bad to, to invest our money and to, to buy fun toys and, and to save up for future, but God's given us money, and he's blessed so many of us. Do we, do we keep it and hoard it and possess it? Or are we giving to the ministries, giving to the churches that you're a part of? Are you giving to organizations that are doing work? Are you giving to missionaries, trips like the Wiki Trip? Are you giving to people who are in need? Are you using what God has given you to advance the kingdom? Or are you using what God has given you to fulfill self? Things like how we deal with our time. Are we spending time scrolling? Are we spending time eating and drinking and forget about life? Or are we spending time with God? Are we spending time with believers, spending time with, with unbelievers, trying to live out this kingdom in this 24-hour period we're, with, we're in today? It's, it's things like how we choose to honor our bodies, which we're going to dive into here in a second. How we choose to deal with anger. How we choose to stand up for righteousness. How we choose to handle and submit to God's authority. And lastly, how we choose to treat other people especially those who might be a little bit different or look a little bit different than us. 
And here's an example of Satan coming in quietly without anybody really noticing. And he's switching the price tags. And he's, he's switching the values. We too often as the church and as people all throughout generations have treated people differently based on their intelligence, based on their race, based on their wealth, based on their social status. And this brings up the question, can we say, do we have authority to say all people are equal or our people aren't, all people aren't equal? Who has authority to say we're equal or we're not equal? Well, I, I got thinking about that question. I, I, I got thinking, and, and as I was kind of mustering up, as I was thinking, the answer to the question of who's equal or who's not equal has to come from the one who created things. So did, did we create other people? Like, no, like, yes, but no. Like, God created us, right? God gave us life. And so ultimately, God t- gets to tell us who's equal, who's not equal, how to live. And let's, let's quickly look at what God says about all people. He very clearly says, for a very tangible reason, we all bear the image of God. And this is also, this is in the book of Acts. This is what Peter said. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. In our culture, in our world, we're not equal in intelligence, money, power, health, looks. I would argue that doctors right now are far more important than actors. But in the eyes of God, everybody's equal. Of all nations, of all tongues, of all culture, of all statuses, and King Jesus has come to build a kingdom, and it's coming back to build a kingdom where one day race, gender, wealth, birth, giftedness determine zero value. The only thing that matters is if you love Jesus. And so why don't we live that way? Why don't we follow in Jesus' footsteps? I've been watching the movie or the TV series The Chosen, and If you haven't seen that, watch it. Take my word for it. But we get to see how Jesus lived. One of the episodes that got me, you know, there's a leper, um, someone who's really sick and diseased, and everybody's rejecting him. The, The religious people were rejecting him. And what did Jesus do? Hug, kissed, embraced. Tax collectors people scoffed at and made fun of. What did Jesus do? Hey, I'm coming over to your house tonight. I'm coming up to your cottage. Let's hang out. Prostitutes, yeah, Jesus didn't sin with them, but he looked at them in their eyes and said, I love you, you're worth something. You're important to me. He said, that verse we just read, I need to go to these other towns, and I'm here to spread the good news of the kingdom of God. I'm just not here for the Israelites, I'm just not here for the Jewish people. I'm here for everybody. We need to live that way. And when we can start to understand why, when we can start to see that we're a part of a kingdom, we can start to see, ah, we have a purpose. We have something that makes sense. We have value. Here's another thing Satan has come in and and switched values up and and confused us and, and kind of is muddying the waters to try to trip us up. In our world, we literally say we have a choice over everything. Or we like to think we do, right? We have a choice over sex, gender, abortion. I can go on and on and on. And again, as I was thinking about these things and I was thinking about this world, it, it brings up the question, who can say what's right and what's wrong and who can say what's important and what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do? And, and I think the answer is kind of obvious. If you don't believe in God, 
why would you follow what he says? It doesn't make sense. So if I didn't believe in God, if I just believed, you know what, I'm just in control of my life. What matters is me, my family, my friends, the people around me. I'm the God of what I can control. So why would I listen to an ancient book? Why would I listen to a God that I don't even believe exists? And so if, yeah, if, if, if that's true, why wouldn't you follow what he says? But here's the thing. If you believe in God, if you follow Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself religious, you're saying you believe in him and you believe he created us with a purpose, with a plan, and we have to lower ourselves and elevate him. We have to realize, huh, I'm not the God of my life. He is. He created me. He gets to say what's, what's true and what's not true because he created everything. We're not the ones really in control. He gives us things like our body and says, I created you beautifully and wonderfully and honor me with this. He says, here's time. Yes, have fun, throw a football, go on vacation. But he also says, time is short. Get to work. The kingdom's here. King Jesus is here. The kingdom's also coming to fruition. So when we can start to see that God is our king, God is our ruler, we can choose to be a part of a kingdom, we can see how these things go counter to our culture, but they become true for us. So we have to choose to live differently from the world. We have to choose to be for the world but to be a part of a different set of standards or rules. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pitch it this way. Pastor Ed's not here, and I know he's a Montreal Canadiens fan, so hopefully he's not watching, but let's say you were born in Montreal, okay? Because of where you were born, this is Montreal, right here, you automatically become a Montreal Canadiens fan because where you were born. We're gonna call that the kingdom of darkness, okay? The kingdom of this world. Across the border, right? The provincial border, Toronto, right? We're going to call this the kingdom of light. Just for this illustration, you can believe that or not, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness. So you're born as a little baby, you, you get older, and you, because of where you're born, your, your parents cheer for the Habs and whatever, and you wear that ugly C, that ugly red and white jersey. Sorry if my bias is coming through here, but you, you, you start cheering for the team because of where you were born, they chose you because of where you were born. You didn't choose them, they chose you. And then you start to see, oh, there's something shiny over there. There's something going on that I want to be a part of. And so what do you have to do to be a part of the Leafs, to be a Leafs fan? You have to take off that jersey that's a little ugly. You have to put on this beautiful blue and white jersey. You have to, dis you have to leave that team. You can't cheer for them anymore. And you cheer for the Leafs and you learn their lingo and you, you get to know their players in the media. You follow them. Then you come back to the darkness and you say, come on, come on. I just, I just stumbled across this amazing thing. Mom, dad, friends, siblings, come with me to the light. So we're born in this world. We're like a Montreal Canadiens fan. We're born into darkness. We're born into sin. And if we want to become a Christian, if we want to truly be born again, we have to leave the values of Satan, of this world, and we have to adopt the values of Christ. Then we have to go back. We're for this world. We go back into this world and do our work, do our job. Now, I challenge you to wear a Leafs jersey in the Montreal Canadiens game. That would be interesting. But that's what it's like to be a Christian living for this world. We're going to ruffle feathers. We're going to have some hard times. 
But we have a purpose. We see truth. And this is why a kingdom chooses, or you choose a kingdom, or a kingdom chooses you. We have a choice, or the choice is made up for us. If you didn't choose to look across the border and see the better team, you're stuck with where you were born. You're stuck with what adopted you. And living for Christ is not easy today with, with social media and, and the way the world's going. But guess what? It wasn't easy when Jesus was here. In fact, last week, Pastor uh, Charles Price talked about other than Judas and one other disciple, all the other ones were brutally martyred for their faith. One was even crucified upside down. So you tell me, do you think it would have been hard to be a Christian back then? Do you think it would have been hard to be a Christ follower? Not saying it's not hard today. Like, it's been always hard. And you know what gets me? The religious people, the Jews, the Pharisees that rejected the Messiah, that rejected Jesus, they were too religious to see Jesus. Are we too religious to see Jesus? Are we too religious to love people? Are we too religious to go inside of our lives and go, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to bring light to this darkness. Are we too religious to enter into the kingdom of God? Yeah, we might struggle. You're a Leafs fan, getting pulled back by your friends and family to be a Habs fan. You might trip up and end up going to a game or, or mess up, but we're a part of a new set of rules. You're not perfect when you come over to the kingdom of God. He works on you. And we pursue holiness because we have a mission. We have something we can be a part of. He wants to use us. So what I want you to do is I want you to imagine a man. He's, he's hard at work. He's about 25, about six foot tall, looks like me. And he's digging, this isn't a true story, but he's digging out a field. And he comes across a big boulder. Okay, so he, he gets this boulder out of the field and he kind of looks around and nobody's around and he sees something shiny there and so he kind of spreads the dirt and he gets his shovel and he starts banging on the lock that he found and he realizes it's a chest. And so... He opens the chest, and, and there's kind of like that angelic voice in his head, oh, as he opens up the chest, and there's gold and sapphires and rubies and emeralds and uh, immense wealth in this chest. So what does he do? Clothes, rock, covers it. Goes home, puts his home up for sale, sells his car, sells his, his precious hockey card collection, sells everything he has, because he has to buy that property where the chest is, because that, that uh, chest of wealth became an all-consuming passion. It became his treasure. Guys, the kingdom of God, Jesus needs to be our treasure, needs to be our all-consuming passion. We need to be willing to sell everything we own, to be disowned by the world, to go against the grain, to go against people, to be a part of the treasure, which is the kingdom of God. It needs to become an all-consuming passion. And that's not, you just raise your hands on a Sunday morning, you kind of semi-come to life groups, you're, you're tuning in online, but you're really on Instagram, or you're eating your waffles. It means it becomes all that you are. You live 24 hours by 24 hours, thinking, wait, Holy Spirit, fill me. God, how are you going to use me to impact your kingdom today? That's how Jesus told us to live. That's how Jesus lived. And so we have a choice to make. Are we going to choose the kingdom? Or are we going to let our kingdom that we were born into claim us? So it looks like this. The first thing it looks like, we need to choose to follow Jesus. If you've never followed Jesus, that's your first step. It's been amazing um, 
being witnessing people come to faith and, and them kind of having those spiritual blinders come off. And if, if you want to become a Christ follower, if you want to become a part of the kingdom, all you got to do is say, I believe, Jesus, that you were real, that you lived, that you lived a perfect life, that you were fully God. You died on the cross for my life. You rose again three days later. That forgave me. That now gives me the Holy Spirit. That gives me an opportunity to have an intimate relationship with the Father. If you want to become a Christian, ask God to come into your life. And don't just not tell anybody. Celebrate. Tell me. Come after. Tell me. Or if you're at home, tell your friend. Or if you're here, turn to somebody and tell them. Celebrate that because that's the best decision you're ever going to make. And once you've made that decision, the second thing you need to do is choose to obey Christ. So you've chosen Christ. So you've chosen the kingdom. Now you choose to obey him, right? That whole thing of I'm not the God of my own life. He's the God. He's given me this body. He's given me this time to worship him, honor him, listen to him. Because he knows all. He's outside of our understanding. That's things like choosing to obey God in submission, in giving, in sex, in truth-telling, in sin. We have to work on ourselves not to make God love us more. He already loves us enough. Fully. Can't love us any more than he already does. But to be a part of the kingdom that is restoring humanity and restoring this world. Because Jesus is coming. We need to fix our eyes on that. So if you've chosen Christ, you've chosen to obey him, the third thing to do, share. Choose to share Christ. We have love others on the back wall. We have this whole initiative, my four. Guys, I, I, I had nothing to do with this, really, um, but I got to witness a friend of mine's, my four, come to Christ. He's actually here today. I won't point him out. But being a part of somebody accepting Christ is so honoring. It's, oh God, why did you choose to use sinners like us? Yet God works through us and we get to great commission, go and share the gospel, go and spread God's news, baptize people in, in the Holy Spirit, you know the great commission. We get to be a part of that and we're, we're screw-ups. He gets to use us and when we can we be a part of that, guys, it ignites a passion because we start to know, oh, this is what I was made to do. I was made to live to worship God and to, to work out the kingdom of God in the world, to help Jesus restore this world back to its proper authority. And so that my four, do it. Pray for people. Invite them over. Start an alpha. Play some basketball with them. Go golfing. Have a cooking class. Get involved in people's lives and invite them to spiritual things. If you don't know how to start that conversation, Ask somebody to help you. Pray about it. But we need to be living with our eyes fixed on the kingdom and our heart posture in the kingdom. And if we can live as a part of the kingdom, we can start to understand who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and who we're following. Let's pray. Jesus, it's amazing to think how much you loved us. You were willing to be ridiculed, beaten, misinterpreted, misunderstood, laughed at, mocked, so that we can have forgiveness for our sins, so that we could be a part of your kingdom that you're setting up, so we can have eternal life with you and the Father and the Spirit. And I'm just so thankful that I know this message, and I pray this morning that you will speak to us, that, that we will accept you for the first time, that we will 
choose to obey you with the things we're, we're struggling with, that, that those sins that we can't seem to get over, that we will just give them to you and work through them with our friends or our family members that we're too afraid to share you with. Help you, help your kingdom to be an all-consuming passion in our lives. Help us just to focus on today because you've got tomorrow covered. And tomorrow will come and tomorrow will come. Help us to make each hour, each minute important. Use us, Lord, in in our communities, in our families. Help us to be on fire for you. Pray this in your name. Amen.